New XKO AM Fort Valley, W226BZ Macon, W290BD Montezuma, WCDH FM Pinehurst, WWKM FM Rochelle, the Superstations, a Shanks Broadcasting Station. It's time to have lunch and talk sports. The Jeff Dantzler Show on the Superstations. Hello there. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Thursday afternoon. My name is Jeff Dantzler. Chris Rogers is our producer. I don't know if Chris is hung over from his Valentine's Day love song extravaganza yesterday. And by the way, Chris, both my mom and my stepmom, they said you did an excellent job, but they could tell you were a little bit younger by the choice of music. <laughs> but yes, you did Thank a fine, you. fine job yesterday. I didn't know he heck, he might still have a a couple of bullets in the chamber to fire out there when it comes to love songs the day after Valentine's Day. From America's greatest college town, Athens, GA, hello in Macon, Montezuma, Warner Robins, Perry, and Fort Valley, down into Pinehurst, Rochelle, Waycross, Blackshear, Eastman, Cochran, Hawkinsville, Tifton, Ashburn, Cordell, and Unadilla, and all our friends on the coast in Savannah and Brunswick, Tybee Island, Wilmington Island, St. Simon, Sea Island, Jekyll Island, the beautiful Golden Isles, to the 912, the 478, and the 229 from the 706. Along with Chris Rogers, I'm Jeff Dantzler. If you'd like to join us today, the lines are open. No guests today. We'll have a couple tomorrow as I'll be on location at Foley Field for opening day for Georgia baseball. The phone number is 478-646-3776. That's ESPN. J-Rad even got Chris to play Debbie Gibson yesterday. Shoot me a tweet at Jeff Dantzler TV. Let me know where you're listening from. I've had listeners from all across the great state of Georgia, of course, and Florida and the Carolinas, Alabama, Mississippi, New Orleans, Texas, Tennessee, out west in Arizona, California. Still got to get New Mexico in there. Seattle, Portland. Up north in PA, Chicago, New York City, Boston, Mass, Vermont, Mid-Atlantic, D.C., Virginia, and Maryland. This show, the Bill Shank Show, all of our interviews, just go to thesuperstations.com. User-friendly, and they're easy to download. And thesuperstations.com, simple to stream. And as I always emphasize, if I could do it, being definitively low-tech, so can you. Now, my mom likes to stream the show. And, hey, mom, listening in in Statesboro, my dad and stepmom down in Hilton Head, and I don't know if they get 104.3. I'm sure they do. My Uncle Joe listing in on 104.3. Sure do appreciate you spending some time with us. And we thank our friends from Arrowhead Tool out of Perry, Georgia, located at 629 General Courtney Hodges Boulevard. Go visit our friends from Arrowhead Tool over in Perry. Yeah, so we'll get to the tweets here in just a moment. I don't know if there are any leftover love song tweets out there, but we'd love to hear from you. Hangry Dog, by the way, tweeted in his, do you call that his picture? They call that an avatar. It's Tony Danza from Who's the Boss. Pretty good, man. I got to say, that's that's pretty strong. I used to watch Who's the Boss. Uh, so anyways, yeah, shoot us a tweet at Jeff Dantzler TV. Here are the subjects today, and i got to pull out my notes. That's going to be a, a little advanced prep work for me. We are going to talk Georgia baseball with opening day tomorrow. We'll have that action for you on the Superstations. It'll be on tape delay after the Bill Shanks show. Bill Shanks says, I ain't preempted for anybody. You understand that? Nobody preempts Bill Shanks, and that's the case. As he and David Johnson, the two best talk show hosts, not just in Georgia, but anywhere. 
I have Georgia basketball for you on Saturday. On Sunday, my man DJ will be solo because I'll be with the Georgia women's basketball team fighting an uphill battle against the top-ranked undefeated South Carolina Gamecocks. And then baseball again on Tuesday. Georgia will be at Georgia State over at the bus yard, and that will be a trip. So we're going to talk some Braves. Did I just mention that? All right, here's the deal. You got Acuna. You got Riley. You got Albies. You got Olsen. You got a lot of other pieces. This team's going to be able to hit and score runs. Are they going to be able to do it in the postseason? Can the pitching stay healthy? I asked Bill, biggest key, he thinks it's he thinks it's Chris Sale. Health in that postseason and how the bullpen is going to shake out. Need to get Bill on again just to talk about the Braves. That'll be a slack-off day for me. So nobody knows the Braves better than Bill Shanks. Maybe we can even talk 82 Braves. That's still my favorite Braves team. So we got Cable that summer. And I just remember, it's kind of like when, when Homer Simpson figured out he could have pork chops and applesauce when he found his rich brother Herb at 3 in the morning. Kept asking my dad, like, so you're telling me on like a Tuesday night we can watch a live Major League Baseball game. Like a Tuesday night in May, a Tuesday night in June. He said, yep. And I think they were on 150 out of 162 games on TBS. I believe the deal was you couldn't go head-to-head with Monday Night Baseball. They had exclusivity. And then on Saturdays, you could go on Saturday nights. You just didn't – you couldn't show the Saturday afternoon game because NBC had the exclusivity in the afternoon with Kubek and Joe Gargiola and, of course, the great Vin Scully. So those are my memories of the Braves with Skip Carey, Pete Van Weeren, and Ernie Johnson. In those early days, it was Daryl Chaney. He had just gotten done playing. Now they brought in Billy Sample for a year. Joe Simpson came in, and Joe was great. Now they've mixed and matched. But I enjoyed it when all the games were on TBS. Uh, admittedly, being a, a surfer, I'm not a streamer. By no means have I cut the cord. I just I do the cable. I like to hunt and pack, and I'm not good at downloading shows, at using Netflix, etc. And they've got some great stuff on there. I'm not debating it. Hey, I just flip back and forth between a game and Columbo or Perry Mason. But I liked knowing where all the games were on. And, of course, the new on the radio, biggest radio network. And, of course, just like the Georgia Football Network is the biggest network. Got them all for you on the Superstation. But I knew it was TBS. And now they're on the difference, the versions of Fox Sports South, of Bally. All that stuff. Anyways, there's me hearkening back to my days of youth. So we'll talk Georgia baseball. We'll talk Braves. We will talk four issues for the Georgia Bulldogs to tackle spring football practice, which begins next month. And we're just over a month away from what was another spectacular season for the Red and Black as the two-time reigning national champions. Georgia has one of the Best seasons in school history, 13-1 and one Orange Bowl champions. Victories over Florida, Auburn Tech, Tennessee, South Carolina, third straight undefeated season. Georgia became the first team ever to record three straight seasons with a 12-0 and record at any point during that year. And the first team in SEC history to have three straight 12-0 and regular seasons. Great, great stuff there. All right, so we'll talk some Georgia football. We'll talk some Georgia baseball. We'll talk some Braves. Uh, Chris, turn your mic on if you don't mind there, young man. 
What uh, with Bill yesterday afternoon? I, I was over doing some work at baseball. Didn't get to listen at all. What was the the love song theme? And, and was Bill feeling the love, or was he more dishing the hate <laughs> yesterday? He was definitely dishing the hate yesterday. But uh, some of the love songs we had, um, we had uh, "Loving an Elevator" by Aerosmith. Very romantic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we had. Let me. See. You did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Um, gotta get the no, no, it's all back good. up. Uh, we got, we had, I was made for loving you by kiss. Man. Um, we had, I only want to be with you by Hootie and the blowfish. Okay. Uh, love will keep us together by captain and Tennille. oh man you're going to the 70s yep best of my love by the eagles and we ended it with the love theme from sharkies don't wow. ask me the name of the song i don't know it wow that's uh pretty good there is a uh, terrific song that i always liked and i finally found it it's a barry white it's called love's theme and it's an instrumental and I love it because that used to be the background music on the golf highlights. Vin Scully would come in today at the Phoenix Open on a bright, sunshiny day. It's Tom Watson with a two-stroke lead over Johnny Miller. That was probably a pretty weak Vin Scully. But yeah, that's a great job there, Chris. And again, you got my parental's seal of approval. And that's always a two, three thumbs up right there. By the way, my mom and stepmom get along great, which is terrific because Emily told me at the wedding, the planner kind of delicately asked, she goes, oh, no, they're great friends. Wedding planner went, whew, because we've had some that are not. Got to sit on opposite sides. And apparently, one time, stepmom showed up at some wedding, sometime down on Jekyll Island, wearing the exact same dress as the mom. And I'm being told in wedding circles that did not go over well. Mm. All right, let's run into a timeout. Happy Valentine's Day after, everybody. Opening day for Georgia baseball tomorrow. Oh, another thing real quick, Chris. i got to get my bill report. On a level of 1 to 1,000, how jacked was Bill that pitchers and catchers reported for Brave Spring Training yesterday? Uh, he, he, was, he, he was ecstatic. Over 1,000? Oh, over 1,000, <laughs> definitely. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I love it. The Bill Shakes report. All right, let's run into a timeout. We'll talk some Georgia bases. We'll talk some Braves and uh, four areas. And Kirby's going to say four things. I've got 10,000 things to tackle with this football team. It's a brand new team every year. We know that, especially this era of the portal. We'll talk some SEC hoops as well. Having a great time. It's a thirsty Thursday here in America's greatest college town, Athens, GA, on the eve of college baseball's opening day right here on the Superstations. <laughs> my heart there you go for the bitter ones out there i was just thinking about this i actually had several friends I got three friends of mine like guy friends of mine that i hang out with had birthdays yesterday valentine's babies and there were there's a set of twins that had a birthday yesterday from my hometown that used to babysit me they were great the wagner twins and I started thinking about this. You know, it would be possible, you know, twins are usually born seven, eight minutes apart. For twins to be born, I'm sure this has happened, 
somewhere throughout time on different days. You know, if one is delivered at, say, 1157 and the next one at 1203, and and I guess in theory, then you could be born in, in different years. If it was New Year's Eve at 1158, you know, just a couple of minutes before Ohio State went wide left, and then at 1203 on New Year's Day. Just one of the things that crossed my mind. I have no idea if that's important or not. Probably not. And what if that happened New Year's Eve 1999? One was born in the 1900s, one in the 2000s. Just a way to look at it. By the way, I've caught this too from some of our athletes at Georgia. They'll reference now, like say for Kirby, that he played in the 1900s. Like it was ancient history. Hmm. Yeah, Dave and I, Dave Johnson, who just does a great job as my broadcast partner for Georgia baseball, and we started noticing players being born in the 2000s. And now, obviously, they all are born in the 2000s. And that's enough about aging. All right, let's start. Hang on, make sure you don't have any tweets in here real quick. I don't think so. Oh, shoot, I hit the wrong button. Yada, yada, yada. Again, at Jeff Dantzler TV, let us know where you are listening from. All right, no new tweets there. So Georgia opens the season tomorrow against UNC Asheville. Going to have a lot of new faces. Most likely see Charlie Goldstein start for the Bulldogs tomorrow. And obviously the big star for Georgia is Charlie Condon, who was a first-team All-American as a redshirt freshman last year. Uh, Charlie Hit 386, second in the SEC to Dylan Cruz, who led the nation in batting for the national champions LSU. And, of course, Georgia's new head coach, Wes Johnson, was LSU's pitching coach. So Condon hit 386, is 25 homers. That was an SEC freshman home run record, broke Pedro Alvarez's record, and was second to Florida's Jack Caglione, who hit 33. Now Florida lost to LSU in the World Series Finals. He drove in 67 runs. That was top 10 in the league. Slugged 800. Led the SEC. So, and I get it. I'm not here knocking the analytics. I think it's a good in addition to as opposed to instead of. But the stats that you remember growing up as a kid that are really important, homers, average, ribbies, slugging, runs, he was at the top or near the top in all of those in the toughest conference in the league. What did he do against SEC pitching alone, you might ask? And that's where the numbers really showed. Well, he hit 339 with 16 home runs and 30 RBIs in 30 SEC games and hit a home run in every series in the season. He is a tremendous defender, primarily a first baseman, can play in the corner outfield spots. Just a great, great player. And we've had a lot of great ones at Georgia through the years. He is on the short list. His 25 home runs last season tied All-American Rich Poitras, who hit 25 in 2009 for the second most. Gordon Beckham hit 28 in 2008 when Gordo and Poitras formed a great one-two punch there. Uh, And Charlie, by the way, to get into the top ten in career homers, uh, Michael Curry with 34 Singing a tie for ninth with Parks. Harvard played the last three years, but transferred to North Carolina. 
So let's talk about some of the transfers that will be coming in for Georgia. Coach Johnson has said, especially – and the way the schedule sets up, you play four weeks of non-conference play, four weekends. And in week five, you start SEC play, and it's ten straight weeks of conference series, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or the occasional Thursday through Saturday because of TV. They like to have at least one, sometimes two, Thursday through Saturday series. Uh, so some of the new faces. Let me give you a couple of the returnees uh, to go along. Who've been terrific players for Georgia and great guys, just like Charlie is. Uh, Corey Collins uh, was hurt second half of last year. Only got to play in 33 games. Hit 267, six homers, 20 RBIs uh, for his career. 25 homers, 94 ribbies. Good catcher. Good outfielder. And we got a short porch at Foley Field, 314 out to right. Really feel like CC, like Charlie Condon CC. So it was Corey Collins. We got a pitcher who was injured named Colin Caldwell, is also CC. Feel like CC, the original, got a chance to have a big year. And uh, that would be great if he could park right in there behind Charlie and give him some protection. And our catcher, Fernando Gonzalez. And I think Fernando, he is a great catcher, the best defensive catcher in the league, and he's got power. Uh, he will be a major league catcher one day. Hit two thirty-two with six homers and 18 ribbies. He was also injured last year. He played in 43 games, started 33 at catcher, had a nine ninety-four fielding percentage, which is pretty darn remarkable for a catcher. Uh, for his career, 12 homers. Gonzo. Uh, so that's you know, the, the core of the position player returnees, and also Sebastian Marillo, who hit 266 with six home runs and 23 RBIs, uh, playing primarily second base and shortstop uh, for Georgia a year ago. And I think we'll see him more at second this year. And that brings us to our newcomers. Uh, Colby Branch actually got a chance to do an interview with him yesterday for a sponsored piece you can find on georgiadogs.com. Uh, Colby was a freshman All-American at Baylor. He hit three twenty-five with six home runs and 41 RBIs last year. Started all 55 games at shortstop. And by the way, just looking at my handwriting, seeing a 5-5 next to an SS, be hard to differentiate also stole seven bags had 17 doubles scored 49 runs Baylor wasn't very good so the, the hope certainly is that Colby can be a, a, an instant impact player a couple of other versatile newcomers coming in Paul Tate uh, he could certainly uh, fight for time at second base played at Purdue uh, just like Colby Branch won the Baylor triple crown Tate who's a graduate won the Purdue triple crown a 335 average 10 home runs and 53 RBIs for the Boilermakers last year. 15 career homers. Slate Alford hit 248, 9 homers, 36 ribbies at Mississippi State. And this is what you you really like. In the SEC, he hit 272 with 7 home runs. So his average went up. And seven of his nine homers came in conference play. That's good. Career 10 homers. So those are some of the new names and faces that you'll see for the position players for Georgia. Uh, true freshman to keep an eye on is, is Trey Phelps from Georgia Perimeter Academy who can play on the infield. And what you're going to see 
from this Georgia team, I think a lot of what you're going to see is using these first four weeks to really figure out who your guys are. Because once you get into SEC play, you got to be past tryouts. You got to know who your dudes are. And it is an unforgiving league. It is absolutely brutally tough every weekend. Even the teams that are at the bottom are good. As I said many times, I've had people ask me when Georgia was struggling in baseball, first part of the year, conference play. Got up to a one and nine start, and then got hot, won a doubleheader. We had lost some heartbreaking games. Georgia last year lost eight games in the league when had the lead or were tied in the eighth or ninth or in extras. You know, those add up. Those are killers. Wound up 11 and 19. If you win half of those, you're 15 and 15, you're in. Who knows how history is different? And I told somebody, I said, well, here's the deal. You know, we've got a good team. I said, honestly, I think we've got about the 30th best team in the country. And at that point, I looked up the next day, our RPI it was 34. So we were like the 13th best team in the league. And at that point, we were. We wound up 11th. That's life in the SEC. you got to survive. And as I point out often, Ole Miss, two years ago, a losing record in the league, 13-17. and 17. Last team in the NCAA tournament, won the national championship. If you're good enough to go 500, get right around it in this league, you're good enough to get to the College World Series. That has been proven over and over and over again. But it is unforgiving. It is tough. It's a grind. And those 30 games, oh, those wins are so, so, so very hard to come by. So enjoy talking some Georgia baseball with you. And we'll uh, talk a little bit more about the pitchers tomorrow. Because I've still got a lot of notes that I've got to fill out there. Uh, let's see. Kevin from Dublin wants a segment on Braves talk for J-Rad. Okay. We can do that. You guys got to help me on this. So, like I said, Bill is the expert on the Braves. Uh, during Georgia baseball season, David, I like to say we are in the vortex. I casually follow. I know all the big names. I will tell you this. Jay Rad, you'll back me on this. The big calf said this for Georgia. And unfortunately, we've lost uh, lost a really good left arm to injury. A great kid, Colin Caldwell. Going to probably miss the season. But keeping that pitching healthy, and even more importantly, if you make the postseason, having that pitching healthy in the postseason. So I just look at Chris Sale, and I know Mr. Shank said that was his dude that could be the key to the Braves' postseason successes. He's long and lean, a lot of moving parts there at 6'6". I believe he's listed at 183. Certainly he's got to be over 200 pounds, but I'll go by what the Internet says and by what the Braves roster says. But if they've got him healthy, along with Freed and Strider and Morton, and then throughout the year you got to find a fifth piece. And that's that's one to me. With all these minor leagues, is it really that hard for teams to find five starters? And I get it. It's all relative. Man. Got to be able to field a five-band rotation. Looks like the Braves got a good four-band rotation. Maybe somebody will emerge in that fifth spot. And I get it. You're going to have guys miss starts. But having that rotation set and strong in the postseason – 
and the, the power pitching so important in the postseason. So I would think Strider would probably be the, the top dog in the first game of a series. Um, let's go. Oh, so Kevin and Jay Rad, I hope that helps there. Uh, let's get to the phone lines. Four seven eight six four six thirty seven seventy six ESPN. Our buddy Jeremy joins us from out in Memphis. Jeremy, good afternoon yeah. to you. Or I guess good morning to you, sir. And uh, welcome yes, to sir. lunchtime in Athens. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I want to talk Georgia baseball. You know, I love getting to see you when you come this way and get to visit with you at the at the park when you come come Absolutely. my way. You know, Absolutely, baseball games, but. Uh, um, so this is one of my favorite times of the year. I love, love Georgia baseball. Um, I've been waiting for it to start for a while. I think Wes is going to do a good job. I uh, just want to run through a few things with baseball, baseball eyes and see what you think. First of all, um, before I talk about the team, just a couple of things. You know, Georgia was down – Chase Burns was down to Georgia and Wake Forest when he transferred, and that would have been a coup if they could have got him. I really thought they were going to get him, and it was, a, I think, a tight race between us and Wake, and he decided to go with Wake. Um, but that would have been a big deal to land Chase Burns. and that. So I think Wes is going to attract talent, but that, that could have been a big hit right there. No doubt. And I mean, isn't it amazing, Wake Forest, they used to be the bottom feeder in the ACC. And, of course, they – had the, the, the epic game with LSU last year in the semifinals. And now here they sit. Uh, they're ranked anywhere from one to three in the preseason polls. But I agree with you on Wes attracting the talent. And uh, we all know this, that there are three parts to the recipe. Now you got your returning players, you got your freshman newcomers, and you've got your transfer portal players. And, and I think the other thing that that's done with the portal – Usually when a coach comes in, there's a year or two grace period, even in this what-have-you-done-for-me-today society we live in. But now with the portal, fans are expecting results and results fast. And I look at this Georgia team, and again, you don't know how the chemistry is. You're going to have to wait till the pieces come together. But I certainly feel like we have a chance to compete. You know, if you offered me right now 15 and 15 and a guaranteed berth, I'd take it. And I think probably every school in the league would just to get in. I'll give you another example. Mississippi State won the national title in 21. Ole Miss won it in 22. And they were the two teams that missed the SEC tournament last year. 12 out of 14 go. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. I mean, I think what he's done this year, bringing in guys, I think we should, we got a good shot to make the tournament. Um, and I want to talk about some of these positions. Before I do, one more thing. Parks Harbor. So Collins came back, Gonzalez came back, and I know Parks loved University of Georgia. Do you have any intel as to why Parks Harbor did not return to Georgia? Because that totally shot me. I thought it was pro for him or or Georgia. Do you have any intel as to why he chose not to return to Georgia? No, I, I do not. And I like Parks. I, I like the family. They're wonderful. And I had kind of when, when all this was going on, I, I had said between Corey Collins, Fernando Gonzalez, Charlie Condon, and Parks, that that could be a borrowing from uh, the Yankees back with, with Mariano and Pettit and Bernie and Jeter and Posada. Uh, the, uh, so the, you could be like our, our core four here for Georgia baseball. And unfortunately, Parks just uh, you know decided he wanted to go somewhere else. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll certainly miss him. That's where you hope that, that some of these newcomers can, can step in there and hope – help fill those numbers because Parks definitely is a good home run, good power hitter. 
You tell me where where you what do you think about this to start the year? So I have I have Dylan Carter center fielder, Kobe Brant shortstop, Charlie Condon first. I have Slate offered at third, although I like that true fresh, but I think he'll push it. it Clayton Chadwick and Clayton Chadwick, I got right field. I got Fernando at catcher. I got Paul Totes at um, second. Josh Stinson at left field, and I got DH, Dylan Goldstein, and Logan Jordan. Now, now I'm missing putting Collins in there somewhere. But, but what do you what do you think about those nine decisions? Is that pretty well what you're thinking tomorrow, or what? Yes, and, and by, it is Tate's. By the way, I've been told. I'll double check again. Uh, I, I think that sounds right. You got Marillo there as well. I'm guessing you're going to see Corey in the lineup most every day. But one of the things that, that Coach Johnson has talked about, and he's done it on the air with me as well, so I don't think it's a secret, he's played a lot of guys at multiple positions. And I think through at least the first two weeks before we get into tech, I think at least for those first two weeks, you're going to see uh, – Got, got Charlie Cotton is going to play right and left. You might see Corey Collins at first base and in right field. Uh, you, you might see, and again, I, I think you're absolutely right on Dylan Carter in center field, and, and Coach says he can really go get it. But you might see Stinson play some center field. Stinson can play second base now as well. He wants to see where the pieces best fit. So, again, when we get into league play, you're not really having tryouts. So I, I think we could see a whole lot of different lineups the first two weeks. Then when we play Tech that third week, see a lineup where you say, all right, this is a pretty good idea of what we're going to look like in the league, and then kind of have that, that last weekend to fine-tune some things. Because as you know this, Jeremy, that it takes forever. And I know you love it. It takes forever for the season to get here. But once it starts, once we're done with that first weekend, that SEC schedule gets up on you in a hurry. And, again, you, you better be ready. And so basically, Coach Johnson, I'm using the air quotes here, uh, got to have tryouts done by the time the league starts. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, now pitching wise, I have I have Goldstein Friday, Layden Finley Saturday for right now. I think Layden could be really good. Sunday, I have Kristen. I, I guess is it is it Ragna? I guess the guy that George Mason throws mid nineties. I, I think I think he's your third guy. The thing about so he brought in a ton of hitters. He didn't bring in so many pitchers. I was a little disappointed in that. He brought in a lot of kind of bullpen guys. And I think some of those guys can develop into starters. He didn't bring the elite Chase Barnes in. I think he'll get that in the future. But I think those three other guys, and I think there's a lot of possibility of bullpen arms that can move into rotation. So what do you think about those three? And also Coleman Willis. He's a guy I thought had a lot of potential out of high school. He got injured. What do you think about Coleman Willis? Uh, Coleman Willis would be an X factor, certainly, for Georgia. I think that's a pretty good guess on what the rotation will be to start the season. you got Jarvis Evans there as well. Uh, Jarvis is one of those guys, he's a gamer. Uh, Heck, he proved it against LSU last season. I really do like Jarvis. And there are 21 pitchers on the staff with Colin being hurt. I guess that takes us to 20. So you are going to see a ton of arms. And and I'll tell you, I've, I've joked about it for Dave and I, uh, j- just like with, with our fans, it's going to take us a couple of weeks to, to, to learn all these guys and, and, and to learn what the roles are going to be. But, but I do think that's a big key. Uh, once you get into league play, for the most part, for the most part, again, most weeks you have a Tuesday midweek game the three conference games on the weekend, Tuesday midweek game, three conference games on the weekend, to have that four-man rotation. And unfortunately, because of injuries the last couple of years, we we weren't really able to do that. 
But I, I think we do have the potential to have a four-man rotation. You know how that trickle-down goes from that. That certainly helps get that bullpen in shape. Well, I think, I, I think I'll say kind of in regards to the season, we've got a great hitting team now. Pitching like we talked about, there's a lot of potential. Pitching. Layton can be really good. Jarvis mm-hmm. can be really good. And some of these guys, Brian, can be really good. So here's the thing. I can see this team going 13 and 17, 12 and 18, but I can also see this team, if these pitchers really pitch like they're supposed to and turn out to be pretty good, I can see this team winning 18, 19 games and maybe host them. I mean, Lane Finley would be great in the Cape Codley. These guys got a lot of talent. So I could see a 12-win team conference team, but these pitchers pick like they're supposed to. Jeff, I could see an 18 or 19-win team and a team that goes that hosts a regional. Well, and, and that's usually, I think, if you start getting over 500, you get 16 and 14 are obviously better, you're in great shape to host. I'll give you another name, too, that, that got hurt last year but is expected back this year is Matthew Hoskins, big, hard-throwing righty. You know, he could be one of those guys because it's a long season. Let's just say, and I don't know, let's just say he comes back and hey, he might pitch tomorrow. He might not pitch until March. Let's say he comes back mid-April. Then all of a sudden you got a fresh arm there for the second half of the regular season into the postseason. So uh, sometimes things like that can work in your favor. Uh, but but kind of to your point there, the line between 15 and 15 and 12 and 18, 13 and 17, or 15 and 15 and 17, 13, 18 and 12, it is razor thin. It's one pitch. It's one swing of the bat. It's it's one bounce that can determine that game, that determines that series, that really tells the story for a season. And th- that's why what's most important, you got to not beat yourself. And that starts with throwing strikes and making the plays. And if you can do that, I, I, I think this Georgia offense will find a way to score enough runs. But just – Limit the self-inflicted wounds because you know this too, Jeremy. You give teams in this league four outs, you're just pouring gasoline on yourself and playing with matches. Yeah, and when you talk about that, you know, Slate Offer was just horrific last year in the field at third base for State. Now, he got better, I think, in the in the Cape League last summer. But the, the kid, the freshman coming in, Mm-hmm. Third baseman. He's one of he was a top one of the top third basemen of all of high school last year. Mm-hmm. So if Slate does kick the ball around or struggle, that guy's going to play, I think. But but I heard Wes say today. So Wes was on with Buck. And he said he has a lot of pitchers that have not pitched consistently more than five innings in their career. Some he said a lot of his pitchers have never pitched more than five innings right. in a college game. And so he said he's going to this year start out not pushing guys to do that. He said. I'll pitch them five, and I, if I think they're done, I'll go get them. He said, we've got a lot of lot of people in the bullpen that we can go to. I'm not going to force these guys to go six and seven innings when they've never done it before. I want to look at a lot of guys, and if I can get four or five good quality innings out of them, that's fine with me. I can move to somebody else. And especially early in the year. We've got to see what these guys have got. Jeremy, always great to hear from you, my friend. I know you'll come see us in Starkville. Appreciate your support, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, thank you, Jeremy. Jeremy from Memphis. Uh, let's go to Jimmy from Hawkinsville. Jimmy, thank you for holding. Good afternoon to you, sir, and welcome to Lunchtime in Athens. Hey, good to hear from you. First time, first time, Jimmy from Hawkinsville. <laughs> All right, big dog. Love it, Jimmy. What you got today? A couple of questions for you. First, how how do you see this 12-team play 
second of all, do we have to worry about, in the future, losing Kirby to Alabama when <laughs> this current coach fails? <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate the call. No, Kirby's home. <laughs> Kirby and Mary Beth are home. And we'll see how Kalen DeBoer does. You know, again, following the legends always tough. So let's get that out of the way. Uh, the 12-game playoff, it obviously gives you some margin for error. And let's say Georgia goes 10-2 and two this year. You're in. Now, you're not going to get a bye. Uh, presumably, you'd miss the SEC championship game, which is fine with me. Now, if somebody said right now you beat Tech to go 10-2, and two, you're the seven seed or the six seed, and you're hosting a playoff game at Sanford Stadium, I'd take it. The team that is really going to get punished across college football is your championship game loser, and for this example, say the SEC championship game loser, because you're likely still going to make the playoff, but you got to play that extra game because you're still going to play that first round of games. You're not getting one of the buys, and you had to play the conference championship game. So to play in the national title game, you'd have to play 17 games which is too much. It's another thing that's that, that, that's happened with college football with the expansion of the playoff in the postseason. And I, I was thinking about this because there's a hot ticket for the Auburn-Kentucky men's hoops game on Saturday. That One of the things that's always been great about football, and again, going back to when you just had the regular season and a bowl game, just the one postseason game, is that almost all of the great memories – came on campuses now of course for georgia and florida you got jacksonville you got the georgia florida game so blue to scott it's a bit of an exception there but you, you think about david green to michael johnson on the plains you think about kevin butler's kick between the hedges well now with the conference championship game with what was essentially a plus one with the playoff and now you're going to 12 teams that's a lot more games where you're going to have those memories made not on campus. And that was always one of the things to me about hoops. You've got these revered arenas like Fog Allen Fieldhouse, Cameron Indoor Stadium, Rupp, the Dean Dome, going back to Carmichael, Pauley Pavilion. But, you know, the, the regular season, all it is is a table setter for March Madness. All the famous shots are in the tournament. They're at neutral sites. They're at places like the Hoosier Dome. Or now, of course, we love Lucas Oil Stadium. Very special place. Still got Indianapolis on my weather list. So I, I just think that's something else you lose. But the money outweighs that. Money defeats romance and nostalgia. Almost every time. Uh, speaking of SEC hoops, Auburn last night beat South Carolina, who's got a great team. Auburn beat them 101-61 to to help set the table. The Tigers hosting Kentucky on Saturday. I talked to my friend Jeremy Roberts, who works over at Auburn. He's a good friend. Diehard Tiger fan, does a great job in their athletic department. He's the guy at Auburn. I texted him. I said, JR, what are tickets going for? And I believe game day's going to be in the loveliest village as well. They've got a standing room only section, 275 for a single. 
Auburn basketball. Auburn, Kentucky. Two bench seats, like right by the bench, for a pair. $2,295, for a pair for a February regular season game. Incredible. Uh, SEC hoop standings. We'll, we'll get to the Georgia football stuff tomorrow. Or you know what? Yeah, we'll have time to run through it today. We'll talk all baseball tomorrow. So I'll run into a break. We got time here on, on the back end. Bama's 9-2. and two, Half game lead over the Gamecocks. And Auburn are 9-3. and three. Tennessee's a game back at 8-3. and three. Then you got Florida, who's hot. And Kentucky are both 7-4. and four. A&M 6-5, grinding through Ole Miss and State right there on the bubble at 5-6. and six. You got Georgia and LSU at 4-7. and seven. Razorbacks 3-8, and eight, disappointing year. Vandy 2-9, and nine, and good Lord, Missouri is 0-11. When Missouri came in the league, I thought they were really upping the cachet of SEC hoops. Never would have guessed this, would you? They've been far better in football than they've been in basketball which is a bit of a surprise. But right now, if the tournament started, Bama, South Carolina, Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, obviously locks. A&M, Ole Miss, and State probably get two in out of that group. Dog's going to need to make a run, host Florida on Saturday. Talk a little Georgia football when we return. Chris Rogers, our producer, doing a great job. Love talking dogs here on A. Thursday from America's greatest college town on the Superstations. Oh, man, modern English melt with you. Take me back to the glorious 1980s. Moving forward. All right, I'll stop. Oh, Christian Pache love coming from our man J-Rad out there in the Twitter lands and waters as well. Good stuff. Thank you, Jay Red. All right. I'm going to throw a little Georgia football here for you today because I promise if there's one thing I like to do, it's to eat good food. Another thing, I like to try and keep my promises. So here are four issues. And by no means am I looking terribly too far ahead to 2024. I'm enjoying what was another spectacular season. Walking around, chests. Puffed out, 13-1. and one. Teams won two of the last three national championships, 42-2 and two the last three seasons, and winners of an astounding 46 of the last 48. Seven straight years in the top ten and since 2017, undefeated against Tech, 26-2 and two against Florida, Auburn, Tech, and Tennessee. But you knew all that already. Four things to tackle. I guess you could say four big questions, looming questions. Sounds like clickbait, doesn't it? First of all, just replacing the elite talent and character of some legendary Bulldogs. Brock Bowers, Lad McConkey, Cedric Van Pran. They won all the awards three of the very best to ever play at Georgia, regardless of position. And if you're putting together an all-time Georgia team, those guys could all be starters. And, of course, other players like Javon Bullard, Kamari Lassiter, elite talent, Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint, 
Dejon Edwards, Kendall Milton. Players that made season-defining plays in the most critical of situations. How about Tyke Smith, the year he had last season? So just replacing elite. You don't replace it. Those next players have to find their way and be the very best version of themselves. Well, you just heard some of the names. Uh, the secondary is a concern. And, of course, Georgia's George can always be good in the secondary. It's Kirby's forte. He's a great defensive back. He's coached defensive backs. It's, it's what he knows. It's what he does. But Lassiter, arguably the best corner in the league. Smith and Bullard. And those two and Malachi Starks at the safety slash star positions, amazing. So who's the corner opposite Everett? Is it going to be Humphrey? Is it going to be Harris? You going to go young? You don't want to throw a true freshman out there, but Ellis Robinson, five-star recruit, he's going to play. Aguero, Dan Jackson, David Daniel, the other safeties, that secondary. Now Kirby, good gosh, when we had – Ringo and Lassiter starting and a bunch of five-stars coming in. We still say, oh, golly, we're not deep enough in the secondary. But I, I do think that's going to be a big key for George to establish that depth in that pecking order in the spring. Uh, number three, need a defensive line disruptor. George had an outstanding defensive line last year. But when you're talking about the 21 defensive line, which is maybe the best in college football history, and the 22 defensive line, which was the best in the country, when you go from being elite and amazing to just very good, hey, you notice just not having those interior disruptors. George had four of them in 21. Of course, had Jalen Carter in 22. In 21, you had Walker, Wyatt, and Davis. Really, a four horsemen of the defensive line. Then that made those top backups who were starting this past year even better, fresher, and stronger. Got to find that disruptor. Might be one of the young guys. Big getting his ear stackhouse back. And then finally, the running backs and that running game. It was rare last season that Edwards and Milton were healthy together. Boy, they were against Florida State, and it showed. They were terrific. But that running back position is Branson Robinson, back healthy. Roderick Robinson showed some flashes. Andrew Paul got three freshmen coming in, and you got Trevor ATN, Travis's younger brother, who was very good at Florida. We need that impact. When you think about that 2017 season when the Kirby dynasty began in his second year, DeAndre Swift was third team. You had Chubb, Michelle, Swift, Holyfield, and Harry, and were fourth and fifth. Think about McIntosh being the number three guy on the 21 team. I mean, Milton and Edwards were four and five. She had Cook and White, James Cook and Samir White. George is going to get back elite at running back. We'll know more after the spring. Answers to these questions and more as we'll be live from Foley Field tomorrow afternoon. Counting you down to opening day for the Diamond Dogs. Thank you, Chris Rogers. Keep the love songs flowing, baby. Thanks for listening to the Superstation. Superstation.